Welcome to Symmetry Between Takes, a platform for humans to explore the hearts and minds of individuals all over the world through conversation. Symmetry. Symmetry is free. Symmetry is equal. Symmetry is balanced. Connection. Connection through speech. Speak to create balance. Symmetry is you and me. Anyway, I started going by just stage name Eric Adams, like with Buried Animals, and uh, but that was before he became a mayor. Yeah, of New York. I, I was kind of like, oh, well, I'm shit. glad you cleared that up in this yeah. moment because I was like, wait, are you the mayor? Are you the mayor of yeah, New yeah. York? Well, we get confused sometimes. <laughs> but Eric, <laughs> Eric is very, uh, very particular about the the IC, the ERIC, not the ERIK. Uh, yes, that's true. Yeah, you know, my brother's an ERIK. I know. Yeah, you know, there are exceptions to that to the K. Yeah, but Eric's were definitely very. Whenever you meet another Eric, it's immediately like, yeah. see your K. Yeah. And we're like clicky, I yeah. guess. Or we're like, you know, we like have our tribe and it's like, we're immediately distrusting of the other. Well, because I can say the same thing about the E-R-I-K ones. Growing up, it's always right. just like the... Yeah, it's not unique to C's. It's unique to Eric's. Yeah. And like K's all run together and they're like, oh, those C's are, hmm, I don't know about them. And the C's feel the same way about the K's. But but, in my experience, there are exceptions to K's being the worst, and your brother is clearly one of them. Your brother's awesome. What did what did the Eric with the K do? What happened? What did, what did he do? To yeah. Me? What did this What did no, this person it, do? It's not one. It's it's just yeah. It's just them all, and we feel the same about yeah. K's. Feel, like I said, in my opinion, I think one thing that we can come together on this season, the K's, is Eric's with the CK. Because they, oh yeah, they're trying to play both sides, and yeah. I, and I, for me, you're a K, you know, CK, you don't count. Where are these Eric? Where are these ERI CKs at? Yeah, they've never seen one. They're not a lot of them, but they are out there. I have met a couple, but I met the ultimate, the like the ultimate Eric. His name is Eric Erickson. <laughs> And he's Eric with a C, so he's he's got the pass. But Erickson, like the ultimate evolved Pokemon the master, level, the master boss, R- exactly. Joining me for this episode is Eric Adams, a musical artist and producer from Minneapolis, Minnesota. Eric is one half of the synth pop duo Buried Animals, alongside Nigel Highlands. They have two albums out. Their debut album, Cold Comfort, released in 2019, and their most recent album, Seeing Red and Feeling Blue, released in 2023. I met Eric about three years ago through my sister. I've always known him to be a musical artist, but I never got the chance to actually watch him perform. About a week ago, the three of us all played a show here in Minneapolis, so Eric and I got together the next day to talk about it. We actually got to talk about a lot. In this episode, you'll hear a little bit about his childhood, how he found music and what it's done for his life. You'll hear about some of the challenges that come along with expressing yourself through art. But most importantly, you'll hear about the effort that he's made to better understand himself. 
I feel like I got to know Eric on a deeper level in this moment. He's a really great dude. He's honest, he's passionate, and he has a positive outlook on this life. I've become a huge fan of him and his music. So I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did. So you got two siblings? Yes. You're one of three. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, they're my half-siblings. So I was, I kind of came along, I'm the baby, I came along later. Yeah, so they're, uh, we have different dads. Okay. And then your cousins were more like, they were always around, they were like... We were pretty close. Um, I'm still close with my, so my cousin Joe is like who... I do like all the artwork and stuff with. Oh, that's awesome. Like, like I kind of have a vision for it, but you know, he has the like technical know-how of like how to actually execute it. And so we work together on all the, like the buried animals, uh, artwork and stuff. Oh, that's great. What about, I mean, the, I mean like the album artwork and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. What about the one with the helmet that I was looking at today? Oh yeah. yeah so, yeah. so that, um, the trans am, yep. um, Mm-hmm. single yeah that was a photograph taken by a friend of mine uh lauren lauren warnos shout out um shout out lauren she is a amazing photographer and uh just happened to meet her really liked her work and i just asked her if like we could use it because it looked really kind of like uh like 80s kind of like almost like anime like yep. akira or something yep. which i'm like a big fan of and I was like, oh, this would be so cool as the, and uh, yeah, luckily enough, we were kind of like, you know, friends more or less. Um, and she was like, yeah, so that's a photograph. But then like the layout and everything was done with like my cousin and I, and like, I took like a little inspiration with the uh, text, uh, Peter Gabriel, his first like few solo albums mm-hmm. are, it's kind of weird. His first like three or four albums are just all called Peter Gabriel. Yeah. But because they have different artwork on them, they have been like colloquially called different things. Oh, uh, okay. And there's really cool artwork, but the the text style of his name is like the same on each one. Mm-hmm. And I just always, you know, I kind of kind of grew up listening to a lot of like my dad's music and he played a lot of Peter Gabriel and there's kind of one particular album that I listened to quite a bit. Uh, it's called... It's called Peter Gabriel, but it's called colloquially it's called Melt. But anyway, the text on it was like, oh, I want, I just kind of wanted to look like that. So we kind of, you know, took a little inspiration from that, a little inspiration, a little Akira inspiration, you mm. know? Yeah. So who is Peter Gabriel? Peter Gabriel. He's, I've heard the name. I yeah, yeah, yeah. He does the song in your eyes. In like, your eyes. Okay, that's that's PG. Okay, so I know Peter Gabriel. You do, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I hear that, and I was, I, I was like, is he like a lead singer to some band? He was, he was, he was a lead singer for a band called Genesis. That was like a. Oh, I know Genesis. Yes, Phil like, Collins. They were both yeah. in that band at one point, and then when Peter Peter Gabriel was the lead singer, and then when he left, Phil Collins took over as the lead singer. Okay, and that's what kind of took him to another level and then he went solo yeah Yeah. so the whole drummer singer thing what do you think he was in a position where he just had to pull that off yeah because i didn't have a singer that was my understanding yeah Yeah, i'm not like a huge genesis fan but i think so yeah i think it was like they literally had nobody else so he was like i'll try it out i'll do it and uh he's a he's a really good singer um i like both of them i like peter gabriel and Phil Collins. Oh, big time. Like singers, you know. I'm a, I'm more of a fan of Peter Gabriel. Phil Collins can get a little cheesy, but 
I like a little cheese every now and then. If if I started listening to Peter Gabriel, would I find similarities in your guys's? Would I be able to like hear right. the influence? Right in Bear yeah. Animals. Yeah, he's a little more arty, but it's hard to say. I mean, he's definitely a big influence on me, but I don't know if it would come through directly. I'm not sure. There's a song of his in particular called uh, "Games Without Frontiers" that, when I've tried to break down what I think are like the best song, like the five best songs right. of all time for me personally, that's yeah. one of them. Yeah, "Games Without Frontiers." "Games Without Frontiers." You might you that song. I think you'd be able to hear a little something. How does it go? Yeah. Uh, like the verses, like Hans plays with Lottie, Lottie plays with Jane, Jane plays with Willie, Willie is happy again. Suki plays with Leo. Sasha plays with Brit. Adolf builds a bonfire. And Rico plays with it. And then it's like, has this like. I bet you people who know this song, like, I bet you you're nailing it right now. Hide in the dunes by the seaside. Okay. Because if I, the way that it sounded, it kind of sounded like David Bowie esque. It might be my voice a little bit, but yeah, no, he's a. if looks could kill, they probably will. Okay. In games without frontiers. Okay. Whoa, without. Oh, they're both British. Sounds so. like a rock ballad. It. You should hear it. Like it's such a cool. Like it's got like a cool like synth bass thing. It's really fucking cool. If if I can sum up like maybe what I know about what I think is the best part about the eighties, yeah, it would be the synth bass. Yeah. Or at least that. Forgive me if I don't know all the terms for all like the synths and stuff like that, but oh, it's yeah, like that. I'll forgive you. Yeah, like the synth bassy, mm-hmm. along with like the sort of snare, right? Like, like yeah. the eight hundred eight kind of thing. Yeah, which never kind of went away. I feel like, which is yeah. there's certain things when certain when pioneers of music do a thing, it just takes us to the end. You can't listen to music now that you just find good and be like. Oh, they're like an 80s sounding band. Right. Right? Because I feel like I used to listen to bands sometimes and you could tell that they were trying to do like an 80s thing. Yeah. And it was kind of like, oh, that's cool. You guys are like doing like a an ode to the 80s. But yeah. I feel like over time has as like music has grown and like it's been more of like a com- compiling genres aren't really something worth pointing out anymore because that's just where we're at. Mm-hmm. There's certain elements of that 80s 1980s music or the instrumentation that like is kind of here to stay well obviously like things kind of cycle back around naturally you know and there was a big like resurgence of like kind of 80s nostalgia but also what's like specifically like about the 808 it seems like to me is like kind of what sustained that was you know like hip-hop and like house music you know like Mm -hmm. that kept it alive you know uh or like yeah some of the other technologies and stuff kind of fall out of fashion but yeah that that has kind of stuck around i remember i feel like i remember when the transition into electronic music came back because i feel like when i first started getting into music or playing yeah maybe it was just who i was around or what i was listening to for example i was a drummer and like playing an electric drum set was like not cool like yeah, you, you had cool. to pay play like an right. acoustic drum set because mm-hmm. electric drum sets are lame do i think that no did i even think that at the time no i actually thought electric drum sets were pretty cool but you could see how like more electronic music Mm -hmm. i don't know i just feel like we're at a point now just in music in general where we're not really having to like figure out what sort of we're out of the gimmick era music in the past it was like people who were doing 
new innovative things. And it was like, oh, I don't know what to think about this. This is new and innovative. And then over time, something does, somebody does something musically that is like an ode to the past. And then that's appreciated. But Uh I feel like now we're at a point now where it's like, if you listen to someone's rendition of their art, you're not really trying to like classify it as much anymore. Or at least I'm, I don't. like genre. Yeah. Yeah, Because I was going to say, I mean, like, I don't know that I fully agree with like out of the gimmick era just because of like what I would call, but there's probably a better term for it, but like the, you know, sort of like the TikTokification of like, and like there are definitely aspects to that that are very, it's, you know, can be gimmick. It's not that like no good music comes from that. It's just, it's like about what people grab onto and a lot of it can be kind of gimmicky or very like contrived trying to be this like very like specific kind of like song that will like i mean don't get me wrong there's been an element to pop music that is about getting your attention quick but like it feels a little bit more like self-aware that that's what it's trying to do um in this sort of like i guess tiktok world and i'm not saying it's all bad or anything it's just there, there is still a definitely an, a gimmicky element i think maybe i don't either fully understand what the word gimmicky means but i guess more what i was trying to say is like I feel like in certain bands they they have like an image or like oh, a sure. sound. Right, like, right. I wouldn't say that like Kiss has a sound. I couldn't like really pick out Kiss. I know a okay. couple of Kiss songs, sure. but clearly like their gimmick was like their whole costumes, you know, Visual, and things like yeah. that. Yeah. Or T Pain, yeah, clearly that. a talented artist, but his auto tune thing like was his thing. Even though yeah. you know some people were like. Oh well, he can't really sing because he's singing an auto tune. He can, yeah. yeah. But his auto tune, like, was his yeah. pitch, his claim to fame. Right. No, totally. Yeah. I mean, you know, there is. I guess if you're trying to kind of like be, for some people, you know, if you're trying to like kind of stand out, those kinds of things do work to right. some degree to like to to make you more successful in the sense of like you get noticed more because you are kind of like, yeah, maybe have like a little bit of a gimmick or a little bit of a. Yeah, something that people are like, well, that's what they do. Right. Or whatever. Like, yeah. You know, like, I, I love, like, the Flaming Lips, um, and I've seen them multiple times, but, like, yeah, their performance is very, like, uh, they have they have kind of gimmicks, but it's fun. Yeah, and, like, it's you know, like they, a circus act. Exactly. Yeah. You know, it's it's a fine line, but, um, you know, between, I guess, gimmicky and, and, like, for fun or gimmicky because you're, like, only focused on kind of success and maybe not the music I right guess. and mo- pro- most of the time it's probably not even these artists i bet you it's like yeah whatever record members, label yeah. is coming to him like yeah yeah lean into that like moving positions in the band around or mm-hmm. like changing people having them be like the front man or something like right. that because yeah because they feel like that's what's gonna sell well yeah i think i think we as audience as an audience like don't really fully grasp what really goes on right. or it's probably my guess is you know, with studios stationed where they are now, uh, they're a little bit less kind of powerful. But like back in the day, they kind of owned you. Yeah, entirely. Big time. You know, you know. So like, yeah, if they didn't, if they wanted you to do a particular thing. It's like you were doing it. You're under contract or whatever yeah. it was. You know, like. But you know, it's obviously a little bit different these days. But you know, we're still sort of ruled by certain things and like you know the algorithm and whatnot. But what do you mean? It might, it might not be like a record executive necessarily if you're like an independent artist, but maybe if you see something you're doing, like kind of hitting it off on TikTok, then you're, you're then that's kind of that. ruling what you're doing. Maybe. Yeah. And like I said, I'm not saying that it is sort of like 
no, I get it. Judgment way, but it's just it's just the way it it's is. It's just the way it is now. Yeah. Especially like you know, leaning into the type of feedback that you get online in particular. For sure, yeah. If they're like, "Oh man, I really like that that one song," yeah, and that that's the one that hits. Yeah, you might be trying to do more like that, you know. So you were talking about your dad who introduced you to Peter Gabriel. So is that like when Eric Adams started making music? Like what did it start um, with just like Right. Did you decide that you were going to start making music or did you just like have you always known yourself to be someone who creates music? Um I've definitely always been a consumer of music for sure. My family is all very like artistic. In some form or fashion, my dad is a musician who plays uh, on some of our stuff. Uh, oh. Played saxophone. On, I heard uh, the saxophone. Yeah, he played on Rosaline. He played on uh, Gold Medal Flower. That's tight. He plays with us live sometimes. That's when he, dope. When he can make it, yeah, it's very great. cool. Yeah, yeah. Eric Senior. Okay, you know, with a C. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We we'd, we'd you have hear that guys. Eric C. We'd have a we'd have big feuds if it weren't. It'd be weird. It'd <laughs> be weird imagine? in the house. We probably wouldn't. I, <laughs> He's that Eric with the K that you were talking about. He would be a deadbeat dad. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So my dad is a musician. Uh, played in bands like uh, when he was younger. Um, you know, my sister has her masters in dance. My aunt is a was a dance professor. My grandpa is a musician and an art professor, and his son, my uncle, is a very like successful artist. You know, so it's like it comes in the fam, it runs in the family. So like from my sort of growing up and from my perspective, it was always seen as like I know I know for some people it's like, well, art is fun, but that's nothing you could do for like a living or mm. whatever like that. And I'm still not at the point where I can really do it for a living, but no one ever like discouraged that by any means. Yeah. Um, so it was, I was just a huge fan of music from like as early as I could remember. And so I think what it was is just as I gained consciousness, you know, out of like toddler, you know, age, I think from pretty much then I was like, I want to be like David Bowie or I want to be like the Beatles or I, I want to do that. Like right. I love it so much that I want to do that. Right. Um, and it was clearly possible too, because you were around 
right all of your family members who are artistic and yeah do- yeah and none of them were like um world famous or anything like that but yeah they they did art and um some of them for, you know for their for their living and so yeah it was possible so it was not seen as as like a barrier necessarily right. but i don't know when exactly like I, I can't pinpoint in my life when it was like that's what i want to do if it almost in a weird way kind of feels like it's always what i wanted no to do to, to some degree right so you are right right i think so yeah yeah so then it's part of it so you were like 11 12 13 when you kind of started like playing and right i mean like or singing or how did that yeah i mean about? right i mean i was always singing like i um but i think my first like anything like where music became something i was actually doing besides singing because you know when you're a little kid you sing yeah, and stuff like that you singing's know? like a no-brainer i feel like if you're you know an, a, yeah someone who creates music like yeah everyone so, is a, i think that for the most part everyone yeah so let me put it this way like outside of that like the first time like playing music with my hands was my my grandpa took me to drumming lessons but african drumming lessons so like hand drumming and so not like kit right and because my my grandpa he like played uh congas and stuff and so he obviously saw i had a connection with music and i was probably like i was definitely in elementary school like maybe like third grade or something like that and mm-hmm. so i'd go every week and at first you know you just play claves and chico my teacher was you know like that's all you do for the like, you don't touch a drum until you play the really? claves for a while really at least for at that maybe it was like a couple months but for the know. listeners at home what's a claves right okay good good point uh claves are like imagine just like two wooden rods and you kind of have to hold one in a certain way. You hold it close to your sternum. You kind of cup it, and with the other and the other sort of rod, a wooden rod in your other hand, you hit them together. Okay. Well, the one you hold by your sternum, you don't even move, and the other one you you hit, and then it resonates. The wood together right. makes like a resonant sound, like a clink clink sound. Yeah, it's, it's, is it sound like a metronome? Exactly. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 one of the, you know, sort of very basic, but important sort of uh, rhythmic elements to like a sort of, you know, a lot of Latin bands and okay. stuff like that. Yeah. It's, I always, I've seen that word, I feel like before, Clave. and it's always been something that I'm, if I'm scrolling through like drum tracks, it's always the one I scroll past. Right, right, I'm right. Like, yeah, I'm not going to use that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah. So I mean, they had you kind of like in the beginning stages, phases of learning, you kind of had yeah. to earn your stripes in a way or? Uh, yeah, 100%. Okay. Yeah, it's like, it's like if you learn the kit and your teacher's like, yeah, you're not going to hit a drum yeah. yet. You're going to use sticks and like, you know, you're going to hit a pad for like, yeah a month until and you're and i and you're gonna learn like the the rudimentaries before i even let you tempo yeah exactly it's Mm -hmm. a lot like that so as a kid as a young clav player Uh did you know that you were on your way to become a drummer or did you feel like definitely not okay no i don't i don't i didn't really want to be a drummer well i meant just with you in this class right did you you feel like is this something that you were excited about doing when your grandpa took you to these things? I, I did like it. Okay. I definitely liked it, but okay. I didn't, it wasn't like, I felt like this is leading me to be a drummer <laughs> okay. in any way. It wasn't like a, like a, what's one of the first uh, karate belts? Yeah. Like uh white belt yeah, or it, yellow belt? But the clap wasn't like the white, 
white belt of the um no i didn't i didn't feel that way at all okay i i only got kind of excited about like i mean don't get me wrong it was i had a good time but i I didn't get really excited until like my dad bought me a guitar and then i was like okay this is this is the moment i can see myself in this a little more you know i was like but i still didn't take it that seriously Mm -hmm. um you know i took lessons and stuff but I'm just, I don't know if that's, it's just not the way I learn right. or whatever. And so I just kind of ended up doing most of it on my own. And that makes me not a great guitar player, but it was kind of like, as soon as I, I learned enough chords to like write my own music, yeah. I was kind of like, okay, I can just, that's all I need to know. Or like, you know, maybe I'll learn another chord here or there, but that's kind of all I needed to do, like kind of take off and running. And that was like around high school, I guess. Okay. So I think your, your dad getting you the guitar was just kind of like him saying yeah. like, I approve of this. I guess. Did you mention that you wanted to play guitar? No, I I don't know. Like, well, okay, so let me be clear. He gave me a guitar when I was like 12, but I didn't get really serious about it until I was like in high school. Okay. And then he got me a nicer guitar actually for like my 17th birthday. It was my golden birthday. Okay. October 17th. So he gave gave me a like uh, uh, acoustic full-size Seagull because the first guitar he gave me was just like a junior still nice but and i still have it actually it's like a little junior yamaha but uh no i don't know that i mentioned it i mean like if i'm kind of trying to reflect on it a little bit i just think it was like obvious that music was a thing that was really important right. to me yeah i think i feel like a guitar is like a representation of every time i talk is it blowing your headphones out no. of the way okay no good. no you, no we're we're good now okay cool we're locked in yeah. <clears throat> I feel like a good as I just cough into the mic. I feel like a guitar. I think is, I, I burped earlier too. Uh, yeah, so. we're good. We're <laughs> yeah. good. I'll let just turn those up. Post 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 product. All right. Cool. What do we call it? Post product. Post op. No, just po- post. I think they just call it post. Just post. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm Fix learning a lot. Post, yeah. I'm yeah. learning a lot. <laughs> product though. I mean, I I'm a huge fan of a brief. So <laughs> that's but the goofier the better. So I I like it. Well, when you said when you said the guitar thing, I I totally agree with that because. If people ask me if I'm a guitar player, I say no. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean that I, I don't know how to work my way around guitar. But like you described, it, yeah. a guitar, an acoustic guitar, at least for me, yeah. represents like a, a canvas. Now, you may not be a guitarist. Sure. You may, you may be a bass player. You may be a vocalist. But I've known like a lot of vocalists who like want to start writing music. And then they'll pick up a guitar and they'll, they'll pluck with their thumb and they'll create mm. something and they'll mm. write a song. So yeah. I feel like a guitar is like really embodies like the solo musician and someone who can start writing. Yeah, well well I yeah. I, th- I think that it's a pretty good instrument to like if you kind of like have melodic ideas and you just kind of like learn a few chords, it's an easy instrument to start writing with. Uh, and I'm not saying it's an easy instrument to play or anything like that, but like I never learned to play piano, mm-hmm. but I wish I had, but I, you know, Same. I Same, I agree. Because that, I think, is the ultimate, not necessarily just for writing, but like, but arranging. I totally, I totally, totally agree. And, and now that I make music the way that I do now, yeah. I basically write it all on like keyboards and stuff. All of it. Yeah. Because what do you do even if you play something on the piano, you may start it with like a grand piano default noise, and then you transpose it into to anything right right you know in mean? like the midi world yeah for sure yeah yeah midi world is definitely what i'm talking about but yeah. like yeah it makes sense as to why on every home recording studio there's a a piano and a keyboard yeah. Not, yeah. A, not a guitar totally totally so yeah 
in like high school, you had your guitar. Yeah. yeah. And when did you start like bands? Did you have like a first band or yeah, something like that? Yeah, I was in high school and yeah, started a band. A couple of guys that I went to high school with, or one that I went to high school with, one that went to another high school, but I was friends with yeah. through mutual friends. And, what was the uh, name of this band? This The band was called Cuttlefish Squid. Cuttlefish. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of... You know, yeah. we we actually uh, when we were in a band, we had a we had a song called Cuddle Monsters. So like, I totally oh. I totally get it. Right. I right. totally get like why you did that. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 That, yeah. Thank you. Uh-huh. So Cuttlefish Squid, and then you guys yeah. battle the bands, things like this. Um, I think we might have done one of those. Maybe we weren't like very we weren't bad or anything, but we we definitely weren't very successful. It's pro- I would probably be embarrassed of it now, but you know, you're just trying to figure stuff out. I mean, what's successful in a high school band? Right, right. <laughs> I, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, maybe even for a high school band, we were. I don't. I Trust guess, me, I want to hear about your successes. Like, if there yeah, were successes, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, we played a lot actually. Yeah. So in a way, in that way, we were like, hell yeah. So we we got to play out a lot, and we played like actually, you know, we played some decent or you know, like. We played like the varsity theater. It wasn't like we like oh, sold it yeah. out or anything like that, but like yeah. we got a chance to play it. It was cool. Okay. Like, you know, so, and you know, for listeners who don't know what that is, it's just a venue in, uh, dinky town, Minneapolis. Uh, and it's a, yeah, it's which like is a, like college town. Right, yeah. And yeah, it's, a, it's like, it's a theater. It's a legit venue. It's a, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And so it was cool. Like I saw Hannibal Burris there yeah. later. We were successful in that way, and we like wrote our own. And by wrote our own, I I guess I was writing everything. Right. We wrote our own stuff, and uh, you know played originals, and so this three piece guitar, bass, drums. It was three or, piece. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. Um, I played guitar and sang, and then we had a drummer, and then a keyboard player actually. So we didn't even have a bassist. I, I think he would kind of do a little bit of bass stuff on a micro Korg synthesizer. Yeah. I mean, I would have loved the bass player at the time, but we were, you know. <laughs> We're just you were it working work. with what you got. It would always amaze me with those dudes who would play. Uh, they would have the double keyboard situation. Yeah, the Rayman Zarek situation. That guy from the Doors. Because they don't yes. have a, they don't have a bass player. Like, yes, exactly. Yeah. They were like yeah, yeah, playing the melody with their right hand and then like a like a bass line with their yeah. left. I I mean, don't get me wrong. So many people have done that. I just think of Rayman Zarek immediately. Yeah, I mean, as soon as you as soon as you said that, I was just kind of like, yeah, I know who that is. But then I'm glad you said the Doors. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah the keyboard is for the Doors. Yeah. So this was in Minneapolis. So you're pretty much grew up in Minneapolis. Um, I was born here, and okay. I yeah, I've I've lived basically my whole life here yeah, in Minneapolis. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. So you like it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like it. I like it. You know, I like a lot of aspects of it too. There's aspects I don't like too, but but yeah, obviously, I mean, I'm I've been here for that long for for a reason obviously i mean if i if i didn't like it i'm sure i wouldn't be here what it's kind of like what is it that's something that you like about the way that the local music scene is here like what Um, have you what have you found that it's allowed you to create easy to network or like for the most part artist relationships like that's a good question i i was in a band for a long time with nigel and that band kind of like fell apart. And after that, I was like out of the scene for a long time. So mm-hmm. my reintroduction to the scene is kind of like happening now in a way. Right. But I, what I will say is because of having been in that band for a long time, that did create a lot of, for one, knowledge. Like when you just play a lot, play out, you get this sense of like, you know, all the sort of technical stuff that you might need to know. You know, like for instance, like talking to a sound person or 
you know, talking to people who book who are booking and how to communicate even with with the people that are kind of putting on the show. You know, just you learn kind of stuff just by doing it, you know, just by repetition and all that. But also, I guess from being in a sort of scene, you know, you do create relationships. They might not be close. They don't have to be. But, you know, you'll be like, oh, you find other musicians like, oh, I like that band and that band likes your band. And then you become friends in that way. And then you're like, oh, we should play a show together. Mm -hmm. Or like, that's probably that's not unique to Minneapolis. But, you know, that's something that probably a lot of scenes do but um so i can't really speak to why minneapolis is like unique in any way because mm. i don't really know any other like scene i mean i've played other places but you know only like on tour mm-hmm. so it'll only be for like a night i don't know what like chicago is the scene is like i've only like played there one night because you, you, you definitely i mean me like i definitely notice it there definitely seems like yeah because you would have a better perspective on this because of having like <clears throat> a better perspective of like what maybe makes Minneapolis different from other places that you've like been a part of a scene or like the scene wherever you were. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that being in a band, usually everyone is trying to get, move their ideas forward, whatever that means, whether they want a bigger show or they want to have a, put out another album or make more money. There's the sentiment behind the life of a, of, of an artist who's trying to progress his work to like kind of move things forward. When I lived in California, I guess the scene out there was very, I don't want to say pretentious, but it made, it kind of gave me like, you kind of got to have thick skin because you're going to be having to deal with a lot of people who are trying to do the exact same thing. So it was like competitive and like mm-hmm. a fake sort of camaraderie, which was weird because you had to finesse the right people to get the, good shows with the good crowds mm-hmm. but it didn't really feel as last night at the show that we played it just felt like everyone was on the same page in a sense where everyone was there wanting to support the music on stage yeah also there to have a good time right. all the musicians that i talked to super nice and even the people at the door it just i just the overall mood of the place was just yeah. Which is cool. I don't know. That's just something I, I recognized yeah. right away. And I can imagine that like the more we start to play, that's going to have such a positive impact to, I guess, maybe what Hannah and I want to do moving forward. Like it's going to be yeah. more encouraging rather than at times when sure. being a struggling artist could be so discouraging most of the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah, it can be largely discouraging. But, but shows, I think, generally, I don't want to say generally, but... A good show can change your perspective for sure. Yeah. Like you play a good show and then you're like, man, we're awesome. Like people love us. Yeah. Uh, it might be like, you know, not that many people, but yeah, it can change your perspective. But now for me getting back into the scene, I have things I want to like impart onto the scene as, as opposed to like just letting the scene happen to me. Right. Cause when you're younger, you're just like, you don't know. You're just trying to like make it, make things happen and right. you're just kind of going with the flow. You know, you st- I still do that, but like things I want to impart onto the scene, and I want we're I just kind of using that word. I understand. Like, saying, yeah, yeah. Kind of hate using that, but you know, just the <laughs> the general kind of music atmosphere and yeah. and, and, and not atmosphere, by the way, not yeah, the rap, not not, not, not the, the atmosphere, right? Not the atmosphere, yeah. uh, the rap, the the rap group. Um, but but yeah, the general sort of music landscape. You know, I personally want to have kind of more of a sense of like community, and I'm what I mean by that i guess is just like i just want to play shows with like p- 
people that I like, personality and stuff like that, to me, goes a lot farther. I mean, good music is important, too. Yes. But I, I generally find people that I really like that make music, those two things tend to go together. Yeah. Like they usually don't make music I'm not into. So, you know, if it's like people that I like vibe with and, you know, people that are like sort of already, I'm already in community with like people that I work with or work next door to, yeah. you know, or, mm-hmm. you know, just like we have a little community and a little bit of it is like, well, why don't we just like, you know, sort of vulture on this and like put our powers to get what, together and, right. you know, and then we can, you know, conquer this neighborhood and then who knows after that, you know, but like. A little bit of it is is that, and why not just work with like people that are f- good and fun to work with? It makes it a lot easier. Right. Well, you came out with an album in 2019. Yeah. And then also one... Yeah, 2023. 2023, right. yeah. This is probably like one one or two shows since your guys' album has come out? Yes, yes. We we had a clunker in the middle. We uh we had a show that didn't go so well. By that, I mean, got to the gig, set everything up, and then, our, and then Ableton just kept crashing. Oh, no. And so we just didn't play, oh, which no. was a bummer. But in a weird way, it was. I mean, obviously that sucked, and I was really like bummed. Oh, yeah, super I'd be bummed. Dev- I'd be devastated. I was devastated, but yeah, I took it as an opportunity to not immediately that oh, night. Yeah. I, yeah, I was it came like, in time. <laughs> it came in time. Yeah, like don't get me wrong. Yeah, but uh, you know, it was in the long run. It was. I'm not saying it was a good thing, but it, but you might as well learn from it. Right. We definitely learned from it, and we had to kind of rebuild this thing that was like a little bit of a house of cards anyway, yeah. we were just getting away with it. Yeah. And then finally we weren't getting away with it. So we kind of had to get a more solid sort okay. of thing going on. But so you and Nigel are the OG members. Yeah. So okay. yeah, it started with, with tell Nigel me about and Nigel. Yeah. So I met Nigel when I was like early, early twenties, like 22, maybe we met because I was starting a band and I, once again, it was, like some guys I knew from high school and we were like, we needed a bass player. And one of the guys was like, Oh, I know this guy I work with this dude, Nigel. And we're like, cool. Yeah. Have him come by and we'll jam, you know, yeah. whatever. So he comes by. That's the first time I met him and yeah, he just played bass. And then that band, we ended up playing together for like 
from like 22 to like 27 or something like that. You know, we played played together for a little while, you know, but we, we kind of like both like made beats on the side. Like okay. we, we both used the same program. We were using this program called Machine. Yep. I know Machine. Yeah. Yep. But we both used that and we were both kind of like doing music on the side just for um he you know mine was maybe a little bit more for fun no we we were like it just wasn't like our main focus right but we were both we'd both been doing it for a while and so we kind of would do that a little bit just the two of us even when we were in this other band that was just like purely like just like a rock band and by the time that kind of like disintegrated i think we like looked at each other and we were like well we both do this thing we both know this program right and we both like make music you know, clearly, obviously, we had, like, some kind of connection to, like, want to work together. And we were like, well, why don't we just do something completely different than what we were doing in a rock band and just, like, kind of make, like, synth music. Or, or you know, like, we, I was, I guess, imagining, you know, just, like, a, yeah, like, some sort of, like, synth pop right. thing. And for, like, our first record, the, the um, 2019 one, Cold Comfort, there's no guitar in it whatsoever because we were, like, in a rock band, we are like, we're not going to play any yeah. guitar. Fuck guitar. It was just like, it was almost like something that we had to like prove to ourselves that we yeah. could do. No, like, I get that. We could make music without any of that, mm-hmm. you know? It was more like therapeutic in a way. It was kind of just a way for you guys to just try something new and... Yeah, we needed we needed to like, exactly, we needed to get out of what we were doing. Right. You know? Loading up equipment, getting to the gig, dealing with sound guys. Was it a way for you guys to just... I don't know. Was it kind of in spite of the old <laughs> rock band? Because I totally understand the feeling. Yeah. Back when I played in a band with my brothers, we were doing like the rock band thing. And then we decided just to totally switch it up and, um, you know, started creating all this music with electronically. It was like, a yeah, there was definitely an element of like in, in spite of, uh, yeah. or like, to, to be honest with you, I think we just do that kind of style of music better. But yeah. And what I mean is like the style of music we make now. Yeah, it fits you more. It fits us more. Yeah. But I don't know that we knew that at the time. We were still trying to figure out what we were doing. And yeah. Naj and I are very different people. And we do like a lot of different kinds of music from each other. But we also have like our Venn diagram. There's like a lot of overlap as well. Yeah. You know, we just, I guess, learned to work with each other over the years. And, um, and just clicked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We clicked like creatively. And we like, you know... You know, it's like any relationship. It's not like perfect marriage all the time. You know, it's like we'll have, you know, disagreements and stuff. But over the years, we've grown up and become more mature and like settle those differences, you know, a little better. Right. I mean, obviously, nothing was ever bad enough for us to like break everything of course, off yeah. or anything like that. But we still have like, you know, difference of opinions. I mean, that just happens right. in, in music and in art, you know. So does the writing process usually go like, hey, I have something I've been working on cool, I'll check it out. And then you add something to it, whether it's right. musically or vocally, or is there a format to your songwriting process? Or is, sure. for the most part, are you guys kind of just messing around together and then something comes together? It's totally dependent on okay. the song. Like there's no, there's definitely no formula for sure. The first record called Comfort, we wrote entirely together. Okay. Maybe with one exception, there's one song on there that was like something I'd written earlier that I kind of brought and then we fleshed it out together. But on the first record, other than that, like I didn't come with anything pre-written every day that we got together, I'd go to his house and then we'd sit down and we'd like start fucking around on something. Right. And that's how like Trans Am was written and Rosaline, all that stuff was like, 
you know, finding a sound that we liked and be like, oh, I like that sound. You guys, you know, and then you start there and maybe, maybe the sound is just drums and you have like a beat and then, mm-hmm. you, then you get a bass line or whatever. So we, it was a lot of building like that. Right. But this last record we had, uh, Seeing Red and Feeling Blue, was largely written through COVID. So we, we started it kind of working on stuff together and then we were kind of forced to like, Go in your secret or go in yeah. your respected homes. and yeah. Right. I mean, we couldn't really get together. And, right. like, there wasn't really a great way for us to, like, work on music through, like... There, I know there are, like, apps out there and stuff that are pretty good for it. But, like, we couldn't, like, work on a song together, like, yeah, like through, Zoom. like, Zoom or whatever. Yeah, There's yeah, too much absolutely. of a lag and stuff. And Or what's that one thing where it takes over your screen, Team Viewer? You ever seen that? I've seen or, some like, of sharing that, yeah. screens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So you guys were kind of you kind of were doing your own thing on your own. That that was our first start of like. Then we started like kind of really like actually having like demos that were like I had like you know an idea that was like maybe not maybe not a whole song but like for sure like verse chorus right maybe as simple as that yeah and just like a vibe and then no matter what we always like come together and you know it wouldn't be quite the same without you know one or the other of us like. You know, and I just got to put his touches on it, like, and I have to put my touches on something that he brought. Um, but that was the first time we like were bringing things now into the to the mix instead of like purely creating right. together, like yeah. from scratch. Um, we still had some of that on the record, but most of it was uh, either a demo that I had that I had or something that he had. Talk about the the surrendering of ideas when it comes to working with someone else. It's because yeah. it's something that I feel like a lot of artists struggle with when they're trying to collab. You have to get to a point where you like surrender certain artistic expression, you know, for the yep. sake of the fact that somebody might know better than you. You know what I mean? How did that go? Did you guys have to establish like a way of communicating with one another when someone would veto another person's ideas or have a better suggestion or completely yeah. change something about a song? We, we definitely never, like, developed, like, a language specifically. Like, we didn't, like, you know, we didn't, like, sit down and be like, you know, this is how we have to communicate. But I just think we kind of learned it over time. Yeah. And there definitely is compromise, for sure. And, yeah. you know, it definitely all kind of depends. Maybe on one particular thing, he's needing to compromise more. Or maybe on another particular song, it's me that's compromising more. But no matter what, there's there definitely is compromise. And you hopefully are working with someone in my case i am working with someone who you do trust that their goal is to like make the best overall product so you do have to kind of remind yourself remind yourself that like they're not trying to like fuck you over they're not trying to like fuck over the whole process they they they're trying to do what they think would be best and you might not agree and but like i said i mean it's just like any relationship you kind of like pick your battles and you know there are certain things where yeah, you just, you do kind of have to let go or, you know, in my case, what I do a lot is, and he, I know he does as well, is like, if someone kind of feels really like it should be this way and the other one doesn't, say I'm like, oh, I, I really think this vocal should be something as simple as like, it should be turned up. Yeah. And he doesn't think that. He 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 might not say that. He'll be like, okay, we turn it up, then we listen to the mix. It, not just then, but like, you know, we sit on it for like right. the week. And we come back and if I still feel strongly, I'm like, Oh, that sounds great. And he's still like, no, then we'll talk. But yeah. it's like, but he might come around or yeah. maybe I come around to him and be like, right. no, I, I actually, you were right. It was too loud. I don't like it. So with this new album, what are, is there any songs on there in particular where 
maybe you presented an idea or he presented an idea and it turns out to be totally different than like the demo version of it. So the first song on the record, Western Sky, he was just kind of showing me stuff he was working on. We were pretty deep into the album at that point. I think we maybe, I think Western Sky might have been one of the, maybe if not the last track we kind of fully decided on being on the album. It was one of, if not the last one. Which is crazy because it's first. It's first, yeah. yeah. How cool. In a way, it, it it's crazy, but it makes sense because I was like, we need an opening track. Like, yeah. And so something he, something in there that he showed me was like, oh, I could see this. But I really had... I'm not like a giant M83 fan or anything like that, but I was listening to some M83 at the time and I was like, I really want like something like that for like an opener, like a, that kind of... Are you talking about that one song? No, I'm I'm not. Because I know good, one song by them. Yeah, Midnight City, I think is the song you're... you're I know <laughs> that. Wait, it's a... Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think Kanye <laughs> sampled that, right? I don't know. I'm not sure, but... uh Probably did. Yeah, he sampled everything at this point. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, not that song. There was actually another song called Kim and Jesse by M83. Okay. And those of you who know, or if you go listen to that song, you will also see that we completely ripped off the drum fill for that song in Western Sky as well. But that was like a big influence. And I was like, it was just kind of like large. Dude, I'm, I'm, like, you well, know. I totally get that. I'm proud yeah. to say that stuff. It's like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, I totally totally just did it verbatim oh 100 yeah, yeah that's how we paid homage to the greats yeah yeah no i i'm i'm fully like on board with just like yeah you know borrow whatever i don't care yeah, but exactly. um I, I was just wanting a particular vibe and and there was this thing that he showed me that was like the the bare bones of what western sky became but it was like a totally different kind of vibe and i was like i could see something in it that i was like oh it'd work really well in the in this other context and so then we took what he had and then kind of changed up the vibe a bit and then kind of went down this other direction. And, and he was he was gracious enough to like let me kind of see that out. Right. Or trust in to a certain degree to be like, we can maybe take this to a place that he wasn't necessarily envisioning or because like sometimes you're showing a demo that's like it's something you're like you see potential in, but maybe you don't even know where to take it. Yeah. You're like, I, there's something here, but I don't yeah. know what to do. And really. you can't put it into words either. It's like it's a it's a feeling. I want it to I want it to feel like this in the beginning of the album. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <clears> so so I I wanted it something to feel like that, but nothing I was writing was really right. getting that. So it was it was lucky for me that he came with something that I was like, oh yeah, that we can do this kind of sound with with what you kind of already have working. Right. And that's so rare. It's so rare to be in a group with someone especially a duo and to be able to communicate ideas and like really create things on a collaborative front but also be able to to make those ideas come to life and not butt heads when i I mean when i was in a band i mean there was there was three of us so there's always kind of like a tiebreaker there Mm. you know when it came to when we were were butting heads there was always like you know it was really easy to kind of majority rules sort of things so when you're working with a duo yeah. I think it's really cool the way that you've described and it probably has a lot to do with the fact that you guys have been friends for so long too and you know right. how to like communicate and you have experience working together in the past. Yeah. But I think that that clearly is a huge reason, you know, why you guys work so well together is because when it comes to laying out ideas, you guys know one another and you're able to Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like any group though too, like we kind of fall we so you know, not always 
it's I'm not saying it's always this way, but you know, we kind of tend to fall in certain like roles at certain times and sometimes I'm maybe more in the driver's seat and maybe yeah. sometimes maybe he's more in the driver's seat, but another reason why we work well together is because he's generally more micro in um sort of view of things which works really well with like detail right. stuff and like you know all that kind of stuff the technical and, side of things yeah mainly, and I, yeah. I can i can get there too but my main focus is more macro yes yeah. so that is a, a way in which we kind of you know gel because you know i have more of the view the overall sort of overarching view generally where i maybe struggle a little bit more with the finer details yeah. and vi- and you know sort of the opposite for him so we kind of balance each other out i guess a little bit in that way so you're the vocalist you are primarily the lead yeah. singer Right. I noticed your drummer was singing yeah. last night. So. Yeah. Yep. So are you the lyricist as well? I am, yeah. Okay. Yep. So you guys create a track, yeah. and then it's usually always on you to yeah. be the one to sing the songs, or is he... 100%. Do you, he usually have ideas for melodies or lyrics or anything like that? Um, Never lyrics. Okay. Um, okay. That's not completely true. He He has ideas for lyrics... Of joke lyrics, mm-hmm. it, it, it's a bit. It's never like a thing we're actually gonna do. You know, he'll be like some lyric I have. He'll be like, you know, what you should say instead, and it'll be like something ridiculous. Yeah, you know, and you're like, okay, thanks. Yeah. Right, yeah, well, I'll I'll try. It, you know, whatever. <clears throat> but no, that's just a joke uh, that we just have internally. But no, he he, the lyrics have just always been something that I taken on. Um, not because I felt like I had to, or just like that's just my role. That is one. That is the one aspect that isn't really collaborative in any way. Not because I don't want it to be. In a way, I want it to be a little bit more. But or I'm. I should say I'm open to that being more right. of a collaborative process. Um, because I guess you'd probably you'd probably not know if you show him something that you're doing lyrically or with a melody. And because it's your, it's kind of your forte to to do that. And he's and he's kind of just like, yeah, I like that. Yep, that's, it's kind of hard to know. It's like, do you actually like this, or like, am I usually the guy who's supposed to yeah. come up with the lyrics? I have a pretty like, I don't want to say I'm hard on myself by any means. It's not like a I don't beat myself up or anything, but I do a lot of uh, self editing or yeah. edit. You know, I do a lot of editing even as I'm writing. Like, I might not rewrite a lot. I do sometimes, but I mean, like, as I'm writing it, I'll like come up with a line and be like, Nah, I don't like that. It just doesn't speak to me. So I do a lot of that. And so by the time I'm really like showing a lyric, I feel pretty confident about it. Generally speaking, it's got to like speak to me. But Nigel will absolutely give little suggestions when he feels like. Yeah. The, but it's it's usually just usually melody. melody based. Yeah. Be like, but what if it went like this a little bit? Yeah. And an example I'm thinking of is on Gold Medal Flower on the most recent record on the line of uh, there's a line that's under the lights of the marquee. He was like, what if you did like the marquee? And I was like, okay, yeah, let's try it. And yeah, just like little stuff like that. I'm just a 
So the last album is called Comfort, and this one is called so, Seeing Red, Feeling Blue. First, first record's called Cold Comfort. Yeah, and then the most recent one, yeah, Seeing Red and Feeling Blue, yeah. So just, just off the titles of those, you as the lyricist, what yeah. do you see as maybe the changes that you've made in yeah. the writing process, like where you were at in your life, or yeah. is it a sequel to the first album or mm. what are the different concepts with these albums that sure yeah well i mean i definitely think we it's not a sequel yeah they're definitely from very different like times in my life but as a band we lean into the kind of like duality so cold comfort the through line of the of cold comfort and the new record are like just leaning into that you know, dichotomy, the, the, the duality right? Uh, and embracing it, I mm-hmm. guess. Um, like, like uh, one of the working titles for like the new, the recent record was Jolie Lad, which is French for like beautiful, ugly. Mm-hmm. And it's like a, it's a phrase in French that means it, it comes across really like kind of maybe harsh in English, but it, it means like beauty in something that's like, yeah, you know, maybe not on this like whatever a, like but. a yin and yang sort of concept like um i i guess yeah or like just a like, beautiful tragedy sort of thing, yeah or, yeah or just yeah like how how maybe things just aren't black and white you know yeah they're both they're both yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and so lyrically that record this the last one was i mean it took a long time to make uh because we could only you know as people who work not just making music you can only get together so often and, you know, to try to write and record and produce, <clears throat> and which we do all of that. Yeah. A whole album takes a long time. And, it, you know, it, it almost started to become a little bit of a joke between our friends. Like, when is that album dropping? You know, <laughs> I'd be like, I don't know, dude. But, um, <laughs> you know, but when that record was starting to, you know, sort of being conceived, like I was at the end of a relationship on some level, I mean, obviously at some point I, it, it was over and I knew it was over that particular relationship, but as it's kind of falling apart, I'm using sort of it as escapism for myself of like maybe idealizing like a relationship I want to be in yeah. or like situations I want to find myself in. Yeah. And, you know, like I wasn't necessarily like I was going through a breakup, mm-hmm. but I wasn't like writing a breakup album. Right. I was, I was like writing a, and I could have, I guess, but it was like too many shitty things were happening. It was COVID. Yeah. I was going through a breakup. I'm like, I want to like write something where hopefully something feels good after. But I will say we have also always sort of had this element, another sort of dichotomy, another sort of duality, if you will, of this like crying on the dance floor feeling. Mm-hmm. It's like, we'll have some dancey stuff, but there's something in there that's like, it's a little bittersweet, yes, you know? Yeah, absolutely. A little like sadness in mm-hmm. there. And that's just... That's just something I think that for me as a writer is like hard not to put in. Yeah. What I mean by that is I'm not even conscious of it yeah, really. Exactly. Like it just is comes out and like I I have to like particularly with this last record we consciously tried to write more like kind of like upbeat songs right. cuz we're like we just like write kind of more darker kind of like more moody yeah, stuff yeah, but yeah. we were like actually actively we're trying to like you know write more songs like western sky and and gold metal flower and chanel number no. five and stuff like that where it's like a little more like major key upbeat yeah upbeat, yeah. like a little more you know melodically and and like 
musically rather than melodramatic yeah like yeah. Me- like gothy like yeah you know like stuff uh which i love that too but we were actively trying to make something where like i, I want to make people feel like good after they right. listen to this like they like walk away from it with like a sort of some sense of like maybe a silver lining or like yeah. you know optimistic view a little more a little more optimistic than like the first record well then that's cool then that's then and that's exactly what you have then because it has that uplifting dancey tone but like just like you described like you were pouring you know inadvertently your heart into the music you know even if you were talking about maybe what have you would have wanted your relationship to be like and i think that's very interesting for artists in particular like you totally hit the nail on the head when you were describing as an artist, you can really try to go for a sound or go for a theme or lay out a concept to a song, but it's always going to come out as your interpretation of that music. You yeah. can kind of never really get away from who you really are as an artist. Absolutely. This is something that I've, I currently struggle with and I do struggle with is you're, you're never separating your voice from it. Like I, I like want to write uh, Sly and the Family Stone song, but I'm not Sly Stone, and I'll never be Sly Stone. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm me, and will, even if I'm trying to write something that's like that, I hear it like, but it's not Sly, you right? Know? Like, yeah, totally uh, get it. But, but well, you have to if you want to really be an artist, you do have to accept and embrace, yes, that what your voice is, right? And you can still try to write like you know inspired music music that's inspired by somebody else but if you're not comfortable to some degree with like it is you at the end of the day then yeah i mean it's sort of then it's not really your art if you're not like that that's not that didn't quite come out right i understand what you're i understand what you're saying though it was like the surrender like we were like talking about earlier yeah there's a certain collaborative effort that's taking place with inside yourself because you may be inspired by sly and the family stone and you want to maybe write a song that's a little more upbeat and dancey yeah and then it comes out and it's like the hybrid of the maybe the melodramatic or somber yeah. feelings that you have inside mixed with yeah. this what you were going for right and you have to really embrace that creative process that takes the duality inside yourself how yeah. long did it take you to become comfortable yeah. recognizing that that is kind of something that's Right. Kind of inescapable. Like I was kind of alluding to before, I still struggle with it. I, th- I think that's sort of just a constant battle. It- it's just like... um. Well, at least I, I, the only reason I say that is because like, y- you recognize it. Right. And I feel like that, that is maybe yeah. progress, you know? For sure. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, yeah, and I don't... Yeah, no, and when I struggle with it, it's not that like it, it's like crippling or anything like that. It's just that's always something that's on my mind. But yeah, being aware of it's huge and like, yeah, surrendering to it and just being like, that is, it is what it is. And like somebody else will see, hopefully somebody else will see in what you do and think, oh, I want to do that like them. And then when they make music, they're like, well, you know, I could never be like that. And what I, what I, when I sing, it doesn't sound like that, you know? Yeah. So hopefully someone else will do that for your stuff, um, you know, at some point or whatever, or, you know, whatever it is, be it like a drum part or a guitar part or a, or a vocal. But, but, you know, it's all in it's all in route to like finding your voice and, but I never want to feel like I found my voice. I mean, like I want to feel like I'm writing from my myself and like, I want it to be true to me, but I don't ever want it's for me. Like I've learned this 
you know, through therapy and stuff like that. There's no there to get to in terms of like working on yourself as a person. There's no like end, you know, to like improvement. <laughs> yeah. And I feel that way with, with uh, art and writing too. It's like, I don't want to like find my voice. I want to always like be like looking for it. I always want to be pursuing that. There's a difference between being comfortable with who you are now, which which is good, but also being comfortable with the idea that you still want to grow, and that's what I mean. Like you can be comfortable with where your voice is now, but I'm, but I'm still like wanting to move forward. And like if if I feel like I found my sound or I found my voice, then I don't feel like I I have anything anymore. You know? Yeah. No, absolutely. It's it's a constant like refining. You don't want to get too like self-assured about that yeah, you have to embrace the discovery of who you're yeah. continually becoming yeah, yeah 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 exactly yeah it was like uh like bowie said something about like when you walk out into the water like into the ocean and you know there's a t- there when you're first walking out you know you you fully your feet are touching the sand and you're like you know you feel safe you know and he's like as a, as an artist i like to go out just past where i can touch yeah i don't i don't want to go way out and be yeah, like, <laughs> I'll never come back. But like, I want to go just far enough. And if you just keep doing that, and I'm not saying everyone needs to do that, but um, I've taken that as a good way of like looking at it. like you just get slightly out of your comfort zone. Yeah. And hopefully you grow and, and you learn something from yeah. that, you know? So how are you feeling about uh, when you were talking about your hiatus that you had right. over time back into music when yeah. you're like, I'm not really looking for anything from the scene or whatever we were talking yeah. about. How do you feel differently now about, you know, just creating and stuff like that? I mean, what's, what's improved and how has your style changed or maybe how you view yourself this time around? Yeah. Um, well, I definitely take myself a lot less seriously than I what than I did when I was like in my early twenties. I I was I was a young man who had it had been a while since I'd been to therapy. And uh I think I was working I was trying to work a lot of that out through music. I I don't think that was a good idea necessarily. Um in retrospect for me personally, I should have been in therapy and like working that stuff out and I and I, I probably would have been a, a happier person that's more important than like, I don't know, making like any particular kind of art. I think, I think you can make good art, whether you're depressed or in the best mood, whatever. I, it doesn't, that doesn't dictate what makes good art, generally speaking. But, you know, long story short, I've matured a lot and gotten in, I guess, in a, in more of a, a comfortability with myself 
And I'm just trying to, I guess, bring more of that to it. Um, less sort of like insecurity. I, like anybody, I obviously still have insecurities, but I try to bring less of that to the music and, right. and, uh, and to like my interactions with like, you know, being in the scene and, and interacting with other bands and other, other musicians, other, other people that, you know, we might be on a show with, um, like the music scene that I was describing that I hated. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I totally get it. Trying yeah. to be a little more, <clears throat> I'm trying to be, you know, I, I think I was always being genuine to some degree, but, you know, just trying to keep keep a level of being genuine and, and, uh, and uh, you know, care about, like, how you move in the, you know, with needing to communicate with people and, you know, just like, just trying to just generally be like, a, a nice person to work with right if possible you yeah. know that's all you can really try to do and you know it's like because we all know it's like when you play a show i mean by we all i mean you and i when you play a show with a band they might be a great band but they kind of suck yeah people to deal with and trust me yeah it's like yeah no one really wants to work with you and like i i just you know that that's something that matters to me yes to like be someone that people want to like work with and because I want that out of other people, like I want to work with right. people that are fun to work with. So I'm like, it's like a mirror mm-hmm. in that way. Like, you know, I'm not saying like it starts with one or the other, but like, you know, I just want to be a part of that. Like how, what I see in other people too. Right. Like, Oh, I lo- I really like that person. Like, you know, seeing aspects in other people that you like and you're like, Oh, like I like that the way they do that. Um, I like this part of their, of who they are. Right. That's something like I would like to aspire to, like yeah. you know, or whatever, and and maybe other people see that in you, you know, they see something in you that they're like, oh, I like the way they do that, you know, that's something I I might want to try to find in myself. You know? Absolutely, especially if you're someone who's trying to say you have coworkers and they've never heard your music, mm. and you try to get them to come to a show, yeah, and they just come because yeah. they just like you, yeah, they just a fan of you, yeah. I think that that's yeah. The best sort of promotion, you know, you could the best advocate for yourself that you can be is just like yeah, right, just being a good person, just out a there cool in the world. dude, or like a yeah. nice person, like yeah. absolutely. And I, I wish, I totally agree with you. That I wish that that's something because I was on a hiatus from making music too for a lot of reasons, similar to yours, breakups yeah. and COVID and all that stuff. Yeah, I definitely, I think that that's why last night being at the show was was so special because I. I didn't realize how much I missed being around, being at local shows. Yeah. I mean, there, I love going to concerts and stuff like that, but there's something about being at a local show where you can engage with the artists and you can engage with the people that are there and it, and it brings people together. Like just the sentiment behind the whole night was just like, I didn't know something that like I, I missed so much. So yeah. it was uh, the main underlying feeling and vibe in the place was just like, camaraderie and like kindness you know which is refreshing you know totally and i mean i only hope that well for for one i think it was that way generally because of the people that were involved but i only hope that i had my small part in that as well like uh your sister like asked me you know like what kind of vibe do you kind of like want me to you know what kind of set do you want you know like she's kind of looking for a little guidance in that way of like what I was, what kind of vibe I was trying to go for. And I kind of had to, I, all I said was, you know, like I chose you because of you. You know, I want you to do what you do. Yeah. I don't, 
I, I don't want to dictate what you're doing. I'm choosing you because, like, if you're asking me what kind of vibe I want from you, it's, I, I already chose the vibe. Right. You yeah. are the vibe. Yeah. Love and that. I chose you. And the same with Frawl. Mm-hmm. It was like. Super nice guy. Yeah. Frawl's the best. Super nice guy. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. He's a, yeah, sweetheart. Um, shout out Frawl and shout out Hannah. Uh, Chana Roseanne, the artist name. But, you know, I've just known her as Hannah for so long. Right. No, exactly. That's but the yeah. whole point. Yeah. But yeah, Chana Roseanne. Yeah. Amazing. And uh, yeah, for all amazing. And, you know, that was the that was the point was I, I chose the people because of who they are and, and because of the music they make. Right. But I wasn't worried about the vibe. Right. Be- like of our of like the artist's vibe, like other factors can come in, you know, sound guys, uh, you know, bartenders, whatever, like other people or fans can bring in vibes that aren't necessarily what you might be looking for but i knew that at least i was choosing artists that i was i was like i'm comfortable that are gonna bring good people good good energy yeah 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 yeah. but i do want to say real quick about coworkers discovering your music my my new favorite thing is when someone says that was actually good (laughs) that's the best like because i know because because local music does have a stigma oh yeah and there's a lot of like like anything there's a lot of bad and there's there's some good like any any you name it that's the same in every field but it's nice (laughs) that they're like oh no you're like you're actually you You like really do this like oh i didn't realize you were like good good yeah it's like you know so that's my new favorite that's great because they're coming to support you because they love they love eric you know right right and then they're pleasantly surprised yeah, and it's like, yeah. I don't, I mean, I'd rather be on that side. Like, I don't take it personally that they would, like, maybe initially not have much expectation. I don't Yeah, of course. I'm just happy that they're, like, surprised yeah. and like, pleasantly surprised. Yeah. But it is it is a little bit of a nice, like, you know, pat on my own back. Absolutely. Of like, like, yeah, I, I, you know, I do a little something, yeah, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, and I'm just, I'm glad that you're now kind of, like, witnessing it and yeah. can see it. I mean, even just for me personally, I've always known you as Eric, you know? Yeah. Uh, who I'd see at work, you're friends with my sister and uh, Hannah had showed me your music probably oh, yeah. like, I think it was the cold comfort album. It was a while ago. Yeah, it was probably. And then, yeah. um, but since I listened to your guys's most recent album, I feel like I got to know you. I don't want to say that I feel like I got to know you better, but I got to see, you know, parts of yourself that like maybe we wouldn't get on just like through banter sure um at the bar and stuff like that so it was really special for me to now have listened to your music and seen you play and all that stuff and then hearing how it's all come together combined with you know the eric that i see all the time like it's right. it's kind of like that duality that you were talking about you know it's it's real cool so i'm yeah. a definitely a fan of buried animals big time thank you can't can't wait for the next show yeah, um, I know. I'll let you know when it is because I'm 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 gone for a month out of the country. Yes, talk about that. Where, what's yeah. the deal? What's going on? You're taking off. You're going to Tulum. Where are you going? Uh, oh, I'm going. Yeah, I'm going to Mexico. My partner and I are getting the fuck out of Minneapolis winter for a month. Hell yeah, we're going to and around Mexico City mainly central for c- a month. Central Mexico. Yeah, for a That's month. Awesome. Yeah. No. Uh. It, I've never really done it and you know I'm getting to a point in my life where I'm like I'm, I'm afraid of flying and oh really and yeah yeah I don't like flying um but 
I here comes the duality again. <laughs> There's a lot of duality in this Dude, episode. Dude, I love it. I really want to be places. Like I, I, like when I see like you know I was like a big, like a big fan of like Anthony Bourdain when I was like you know growing up and like I'd come home from school and like no reservations would be on and I'd watch that and you know watch him like you know go to China, go to Japan, go to Brazil, go, you know go to all all these places all over the world and like the food and the drinks and like culture and all that. And I'm like, it's beautiful. And I want to be there, but you have, I mean like you're not, you could, I guess like find some other mood mode of transportation. But the reality is if I want to go to Japan, I got to fly there, you know? So it's, that's so, well, hell yeah. You know? So I'm basically like, you know, I want to go, I mean, I've been to Mexico before, but, um, uh, this will be my, first time kind of like as an adult and yeah i just want to experience it as an adult and like once again like similar to like that bowie quote about like finding yourself just slightly out of your comfort zone that'll definitely be outside of my comfort zone like i don't really know i mean i can speak a little spanish yeah but i don't know i'm not like fluent i don't know the language like that communication will be hard yeah it'll be a lot of stuff will be hard but it'll definitely be outside of my comfort zone but i'm hoping to grow and like have a great experience by doing that you know just because it's a little bit of an uncomfortable feeling i could just avoid that forever and be like un- and never do something that i actually really want to do right um but a lot of it is having like a partner that i feel like empowers me to want to do and i know like she feels the same like we wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for the other right you know, and she has family from Mexico and like, you know, I have ties to Mexico, like, you know, heritage wise. And my grandpa was like first generation born in the U.S., I believe. And but he like retired back to Mexico, like to Mexico and he's fluent and, you know, in in Spanish. And so, you know, I have cultural in some in some form or fashion, some sort of familial ties, you know? Do you feel like you're kind of being called to go there in a way? Does it feel like you're gonna, something's gonna like resonate with you when you're there? I mean, I think that things absolutely will resonate, but I don't feel like it's like some sort of like spiritual calling or, or, you know, like in that sense, 100% though, I do believe that there will be one, there will be things that resonate with me big time for sure. But, uh, it's not necessarily like I'm being drawn there necessarily it's just somewhere i've wanted to go and a huge factor honestly is like my last winter was just like rough mentally (laughs) and i'm like you guys should have seen it when i when i went when we met up today he was so bundled up (laughs) oh yeah exactly yeah and like he's so bundled up but it's like that out here out here in minnesota for you guys who don't know what is it negative negative six degrees right now yeah what is it right now let me I have no let idea me, i mean yeah it'll probably depress me it's yeah let's see fahrenheit it's negative six it said it feels like negative 22 <laughs> so yeah so you can see why last was last winter it was just it was just it was just too much you're like i'm not doing this again it was At least, brutal. yeah it was brutal but i also like had my own mental issues as well that like compounded. Right. So it was pretty rough. Yeah. And so I was like, next winter I'm getting out of here. So that's also a part of it. And we're not going to like the warmest part of Mexico, but it'll be warmer than here. And you're going to be in like the, you're going to be in most immersed in the culture and like, you're not going to some resort or anything like that. Right. Exactly. Yeah. No, we're, we're kind of not really resort people. So yeah, we want to, 
uh, for one part of it, we're like staying with her aunt. Oh, perfect. so like we're like in it. Perfect. Yeah. So when is this? I leave on Thursday, so I leave in four days. Dude, from today. Yeah. Dude. Yeah, like I'm sure whoever's listening to this, I'm not sure when you're gonna release this, but I'm either in Mexico or maybe just got back. Dude, I'm hoping to get it done so you could be like chilling on the beach in Mexico and you can there, listen to cool. this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. well great man so I'm so. so I'm so happy you did this with me this was uh, it was a great show last night and it was really really cool to see you in your element and see your guys chemistry on stage and hearing the backstory today how you and Nigel came together and everything that's led you up to this moment it sounds like this Thursday is about to be a it's a big one yeah dude no for sure no last night was a lot of fun and yeah the show was great yeah, it was great to see I mean I've seen you guys perform as well but yeah it was great to see again and, and just kind of great to connect in that way for sure but yeah thanks for having me i yeah, really absolutely that's uh, it. let's have you back on after after we're back from mexico yeah maybe yeah. a check-in do you have anything you want to leave the uh the people with any bit of advice or um, things you've learned or maybe a it could be a joke um yeah my one piece of advice is i mean i know everyone you know has their own opinions about this but if you can uh you know afford it I'm I'm very pro therapy. Therapy is good. I love it. If you're not already in it, and you're like maybe thinking about it, I'm telling you, gotta find the right therapist. But learn learn about yourself, and uh, through that, you'll you'll grow and hopefully become a better person. And that's what I'm trying to do. Uh, just be a better person and just keep learning and keep growing and being a better partner and better musician and. Therapy uh, is is a huge tool, and uh, th- that's that's what I want to leave people with. If you if you feel like you know there's something you're in your life you're like kind of like wanting to figure out or having trouble with, therapy can be great. So don't just dismiss it out of hand. Yeah, give give it a shot. Give it a shot. This is symmetry between takes. Thank you for joining us. My name is Elijah. Joining me today is Eric Adams. Have a great day. Cheers. All the music that you've heard in this episode was written, recorded, and produced by Buried Animals themselves. If you want to hear more of their catalog, I'm going to leave a link in the description. Also, be sure to follow them on all social media platforms, at Buried Animals. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great day.